0: billionaires, hustlers, and politicians should be wary. We're
1: not gonna make 100K this year. It's gonna be more like 600.
0: Time at the top can be very temporary. All will go down. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, October 27th, to Sunday, October 29th. We are counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Joy Behar has handwritten receipts of Rosie O'Donnell's brief but chaotic time as a co-host on The View. The 81-year-old comedian and talk show panelist revealed on Wednesday's episode of the Behind the Table podcast that she chronicled O'Donnell's controversial tenure on the long-running daytime series in a diary, which executive producer Brian Tetta urged her to release. She said on the podcast, quote, The one year that Rosie O'Donnell was on the show, I kept a diary. When Teta noted that, quote, people would go crazy if she ever released it as a tell-all, she replied, I know they would, but I don't like to do that. I don't talk about The View much. Andy Cohen is on his knees begging me to do a book. A representative for Cohen did not immediately respond to EW's request for comment. O'Donnell, who exited the show after one season as a moderator following her famous on air clash with Elizabeth Hasselbeck and eventually came back for another stint for season 18, has long spoken out against the show. In April, she appeared on Brooke Shields' podcast and recounted what she called a difficult experience on it that made her feel like she had to regularly, quote, defend basic principles of humanity and kindness. The minds behind Hocus Pocus 3 are brewing up a fresh potion of sisterly magic. Though the months long WGA strike slowed Disney's development of a third Hocus Pocus film amid the streaming success of Hocus Pocus 2, screenwriter Jen D'Angelo exclusively tells EW that she is currently working on continuing the story of the Sanderson sisters' witches with full idealism over the potential return of Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy in the third film, explaining quote, we're still in the story phase. We're still working on it. We've been working on some ideas, and it's been fun to dive into that world, and we have so many directions in which to go, and so many new characters to explore. We've only scratched the surface of Hannah Waddingham's mother witch. When asked if Waddingham's sorceress, who is seen bestowing child versions of Winnie, Mary, and Sarah with their beloved Loved book In a brief prologue set in sixteen hundred Salem is the same mother the ladies reference throughout the script of director Kenny Ortega's 1993 original. D'Angelo confirms saying, quote, I believe that she's that mother, that she is the scorpion pie mother and that they had a much more significant relationship with her than we've yet to see. But maybe we will see. D'Angelo confirms that no storylines are concrete just yet and that she and Disney continue to explore where they might take the Sanderson sisters next. And the TV remake of Fatal Attraction has been canceled by Paramount Plus after one season, as has Rabbit Hole, which starred Kiefer Sutherland as a corporate spy on the run from an international cabal. For more on all of those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Get your bustles on because season two of The Gilded Age, this weekend's number five pick, is going to the opera. Carrie Coon's Bertha Russell will stop at nothing to secure her place in New York society. And after last season's successful ball, she's turned her attention to the next great sign of social status, opera boxes. Executive producer David Crockett tells us more.
2: She is... Uh, preoccupied with the fact that she doesn't have a box at the Academy of Music. Um, And that becomes a big driver of the season. So this, you know, it might beg the question, you know, do people really care that much about opera? Um, But Bertha cares about it greatly. Uh, She cares more about having a box at the Academy of Music because as she explains to George, uh, the opera is where society puts itself on display, you know, where the elite meet each other, their children court each other, how the wheels of society turn. So for her, she has gotten into society uh, with her successful ball, but now she wants to uh, uh, really be a part of it in a full way. And then you know, across the season, perhaps she even wants to run it.
0: So in short, it's business as usual for the Russell family as they claw and simper their way to the top of the pyramid. Crockett promises the same for all of the Gilded Age characters, both upstairs and downstairs, as season two further explores their journeys as they try to claim their place in a world of constant flux. It's
2: everybody really trying to, you know, secure their positions uh, perhaps more. And then I think this season, there's a lot of empathy uh, that you know that we tr- we try to you know display you know people really learning and understanding each other a little bit more and certainly everybody doesn't do that but but people understanding uh, you know life is life is complicated whereas la- last year we met everybody we got to know them and as, as you say you know their journeys throughout that this, this is more about now that we know these people really understanding them a little bit better and you know empathizing with them and he- them empathizing with each other and they're they're each individual there's so much um pageantry there's so much um extravagance there's so much kind of beauty uh there is so much um you know the individual journeys um it's just i love what julian does in throwing you know we have a cast of a core cast of 30 people so it's 30 people you know, thrown together in the soup of New York City um, and, and, and kind of watching it unfold.
0: So whether you are looking forward to more of wise guy George Russell's glorious beard or can't wait to see what witticisms Agnes von Rhein has ready to dole out, there is plenty of that and then some on season two of The Golden Age, premiering Sunday night at nine on HBO. It might feel like it's been on the air for a billion seasons, but everything ends tonight in our next pick, the Billions season finale. A lot has happened over the course of the show's more than 80 episodes across seven seasons. Bobby Axelrod, played by Damian Lewis, returned to the show and the U.S. this season. He's been on a collision course all season long with the once benevolent-seeming Prince, played by Corey Stoll. At the end of last episode, it looked as though Prince had outplayed everyone and was almost certain to successfully complete his turn from businessman to U.S. President. Here's a trailer for the series finale.
1: We are about to embark on something
0: with stealth and
1: rigor.
2: He won't stop. Something needs to be done.
1: He's not coming back from this. It's not enough to break him. We need to get him off the grid.
2: Mm.
0: All will go down. Well, Showtime certainly is not giving away anything in that trailer, but if we have learned anything about Chuck, Axe, and Prince over the last seven seasons, it's that there is no bridge too far when it comes to sabotaging one another. The finale of Billions will air Sunday at 8 o'clock on Showtime, or you can catch it starting Friday night, streaming on Showtime and Paramount+. Trivia! It's trivia time. In a season five episode of Billions, Paul Giamatti's Chuck Rhodes collapses while playing with his daughter. But before it happens, he puts an orange wedge in his mouth, which was an homage to a famous death in which movie? Goodfellas, The Godfather or The Shawshank Redemption? Stick around for the answer. Our next pick takes us to Florida, where a desperate single mother gets caught up in the world of pharmaceutical sales and a painkiller designed for cancer patients. Emily Blunt plays Eliza Drake in the Netflix movie Pain Hustlers, starring opposite Chris Evans as sales rep Pete Brenner, who she convinces to hire her for a job she's not technically qualified for. But her grit and determination lands a big client and things only go up from there until they take a wild turn. Here's the trailer.
2: I will not give up on myself. I will not give up on my dreams. I will make my life count. You're going to get through this. It's who you are.
1: I will make my life count. Only two years of high school. Well, I left to pursue a career in sales. Cut cut. what is that, like steak knives? Yeah, um, it was other kinds of
2: knives, too. hmm Give me a shot, please.
1: Don't embarrass me. Hi.
2: Hi. Nice to meet you. Oh. Oh. Pleasure is mine. It's commissions that get you into paradise. Get a doctor to prescribe your drug. You know we bill on a full-dose script? What? 40 grand. A year? A month. On some level, I knew it was bull A long odds lottery ticket buried under a 1,000 rejections. And you got to have the grit and the balls to
1: reach down and scratch it.
2: There's nothing so inspiring as sheer desperation.
1: We're not gonna make 100K this year. It's gonna be more like 600.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Work like your back's against the wall. Own your territory. Own your territory. Own a territory!
1: You don't grow, you die. Sales are flat.
2: Sales are flat at 170 million a quarter. out
1: use your crisis as your fire, you'd be amazed at what you're capable of.
2: It's not your fault. You're not a bad person. I will not give up on myself. I will not give up on my dreams. I will make my life count. I will make my life count. Is it me or is he losing his Hey, get your shoes off! Get your shoes off!
0: So this movie is inspired by a true story, but many of the names have been changed and some of the events fictionalized. I spoke with Yates for our Awardist podcast where he explained this story's focus amidst the real events.
1: So the story, I mean, we focus on Liza Drake, mm. who's... Principal character. So Liz is a fictional character for us. She she felt like a really wonderful way in to to explore the idea of farmer sales and what people do in the moral maze to make a buck. And those previous stories, those previous dramas are all very they're terrific, you know, they're very mm-hmm. sort of straightforward. Uh, and they look at so they look at the hierarchy of the story. We were I was really fascinated by the people who are in the in the thicket of this, the people on the front line. And um, I've always been fascinated by salespeople and what they do, and the moral side of the farmer industry when they're sort of hustling to make money. So um, we 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 changed elements of the story obviously consistent to what Evan Hughes documented in his book, but we we had some you know we took some. We created Liza Drake, we created the relationship she has with her daughter, Phoebe, um, just as a way of allowing the audience to connect with a single character and carry us through the story.
0: Well, Andy Garcia and Catherine O'Hara also star in Pain Hustlers, which you can watch now on Netflix. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Our top two picks and soundbite of the week are coming up. What to watch? We'll be right back. wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at SouthernLiving.com/slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. This week, we got a trailer for Dashing Through the Snow, a new Christmas movie from Disney. The film stars Ludacris as Eddie Garrick, a dad who soured on the holiday following a traumatic childhood experience. He and his daughter discover a man named Nick stuck in their chimney, and Nick wants to convince Eddie he is the one true Santa. Well, our soundbite of the week drops us into the midst of Eddie's adventure with his daughter as Nick and his non-elf associates share why there are some bad apples looking for Nick. Oh no! What is going on? Those bad guys are after my
2: naughty and nice list. But I got some associates here. Eddie's a non believer Really? Oh, claustrophobic. I'm sorry, what? Claustrophobic. Fear of Santa Claus. That's ludicrous.
0: Uh, that was ludicrous, but big props for the pun there. And you will be able to see all of his merry misadventures with Nick when dashing through the snow arrives on Disney Plus November 17th.
1: Number two.
0: Five Nights at Freddy's. Our number two pick today is not about what happens when someone offers to babysit for a week at the Kruger household. Oh, No. But this movie is just about as terrifying as that sounds. Based on the much-loved video game, the film stars Josh Hutcherson as a troubled security guard who gets a job working at an abandoned theme restaurant named Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. The catch? The restaurant's animatronic mascots come alive at night and have a taste for murder and mayhem. Here's a bit of the trailer.
2: In the 80s, kids went missing. The police searched Freddy's top to bottom. Hello? They never found them. That's why the place shut down.
0: There are ghost children possessing giant robots.
1: Thanks for the heads up.
2: Technically, they're animatronics. What do they want? They want to make her like them. Bobby.
1: Tell me how to stop (laughs)
2: that. It's too late.
0: Yeah, so it's basically Chuck E. Cheese meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this latest scare machine from Blumhouse Productions. Directed by Emma Laird, the film's cast also includes Elizabeth Lail, Piper Rubio, and Matthew Lillard, whose return to the horror genre should have fans screaming with joy. Five Nights at Freddy's is in theaters and streaming on Peacock. We are going back to the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s for this weekend's number one pick. The Showtime limited series Fellow Travelers is based on the Thomas Mallon novel of the same name, and it centers on Hawkins Fuller, a State Department employee played by Matt Bomer, and Tim Laughlin, a staff member of Senator Joseph McCarthy, played by Jonathan Bailey. The men begin a secret romance amidst the backdrop of McCarthy and Senator Roy Cohn's introduction of legislation against what they call Subversives and Sexual Deviants. While things are hot and heavy and sexy behind closed doors, they're complicated publicly by the campaign to rid society of gay people. Here's the trailer.
1: Mr. Fuller, we believe we have reason to ask you a series of questions. What reason? We're not at liberty to say. Please have a seat. Have you ever attended meetings affiliated with the Communist Party? No. Our country is under threat from Soviet spies, but there's another risk to national security. What is your marital status? Single, but there is a special lady in the picture.
2: Hawk, it's stunning.
1: Have you ever had inappropriate physical contact with another man? No. Such a damn good liar. Do you like it this way? All this pretending. You're everything to me. If I was everything, you wouldn't be going where you're going. You should be careful. Everybody lies about something.
2: We must beware of these communists and queers. These people are dangerous to this country.
1: I look out at that city and think about what it denies us. We lie about who we sleep with. Not who we sleep with, it's who we love. Have you ever been in love with another male? I have loved you my whole life. My great, consuming love. Mr. Fuller. Answer the question.
0: Well, have got to say some really superb acting in this one with some unfortunate parallels to present day. Allison Williams, Chris Bauer, Will Brill, Jelani Aladdin, and Noah J. Ricketts also star in the series, which covers the decades that follow, including the 1980s amidst the AIDS crisis. Fellow Travelers debuts Sunday at 9 on Showtime. Trivia! And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Before collapsing in a season five episode of Billions, Paul Giamatti's Chuck Rhodes puts an orange slice in his mouth as an homage to a death scene in what legendary film? Goodfellas, The Godfather, or The Shawshank Redemption? Well, Marlon Brando's Vito Corleone put an orange slice in his mouth before dying of a heart attack in The Godfather. It is, by the way, far from the only Godfather reference that fans can spot on the show. It has a reputation for throwing out quite a few references to Coppola's film throughout the series. And that, folks, is our show for this weekend. We will have more news and musty picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm executive editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. This episode of What to Watch was written by Dustin Nelson, Clark Collis, Maureen Lee Lenker, and EW staff. Edited by Sammy Junio and hosted and produced by Jared Hall. One,
1: two, Watch